Amen. Thank you for coming uh, tonight and to be a part of our leadership conference here at Urshan. And uh, we're so thankful for you taking time out, making that effort to come and be a part of this weekend. Why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself to someone around you. Amen. Make a connection with someone. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are so thankful for, uh, God bless you, you may be seated. We're so thankful for our speakers that are here. And uh, this is going to be an amazing time this week. So thankful for uh, Brother Eugene Wilson, who is with us, for uh, Brother Ken Gorley, who is with us, Brother Stan Gleason, who's going to be with us, Brother Adam Dennis. And uh, this is going to be a fantastic time. And uh, looking forward to what's going to be taking place over the next little while as we come together and we want to grow in our leadership and our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. Amen? Uh, whatever God has called you to. And uh, leadership conference are about those who are in the church, as well as we are so thankful for those who come, who are Christian leaders uh, that are outside the church. The mission of Urshan is to equip servant leaders both uh, in the church, but also to the world, wherever we are at. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. And so we're going to have... Uh, the, over the next little bit. I want to start by ta talking about my father, Bill Kaltop Sr. And uh, my dad went to meet the Lord uh, not too long ago, last year, and uh, miss him. And I, I'm going to, at the first part, I just want to be a little transparent on my journey uh, and what sort of um, is, uh, when I was starting thinking about this first session, opening up the conference with a keynote, what, uh, what I feel like the Lord has just sort of been dealing with me about. My dad's from northeast Mississippi. He was the fifth child of a sharecropper there in northeast Mississippi. And in 1956, he came into the Chicago area looking for work and uh, got a job there at a place called Western Electric. How many remember Western Electric? All right. Uh, not many. It, it went out of business in 1984. They shut it down. It was a subsidiary of AT&T, Bell System and did a lot of electrical engineering, manufacturing. And dad came in there, got a job right out of high school. He was, uh, in fact, 18 years old when he started working at Western Electric, but uh, his work ethic, his, uh, his ability was soon in management. And as a result of management, he started taking some night classes at the local community college. Uh, AT&T, Western Electric had a, a contract with Princeton, uh, Princeton Business School and so they would come in and offer classes as well, or, or they would send them for uh, week trainings. Because Dad had this hunger to grow, just this hunger to grow, to realize that whether he was serving in the church, he was serving at Western Electric, he had this desire to improve himself, uh, his effectiveness. He, he would talk about later, he, he wished he would have had some of the opportunities with college and, and uh, ed, uh, formal education. But that never stopped Dad from growing and learning. And uh, one of the things that probably impacted me the most, I, in, in 2007, the, the Herald Democrat of uh, Sherman, Texas, printed an article about Pablo Casales, who is 95 years old. He is the famous Spanish uh, cellist who lived to be 97. But uh, they asked him, you're 95, 
you're the greatest that's ever lived. Why do you still practice six hours a day at 95 years of age? And his answer was, because I think I'm making progress. And I thought about that because dad was somebody, the perpetual reader, no matter where you saw me, would have that briefcase in hand, and there's always two or three books in there uh, that he was reading. And it was dad that sort of influenced me about leadership. Uh, uh, one day, dad had this practice of going to a, some type of a conference, some type of a uh, training session, at least once a year. He, he made that a part of his calendar and, and would typically go outside um, uh, of his normal circles. And it was uh, at that time, he took me to a John Maxwell leadership seminar. Uh, this would have been maybe real early 90s, maybe 92, 93, and, uh, and sort of exposed me to a, a conference on leadership. John Maxwell, of course, known for uh, his uh, simple definition of leadership, being influenced, nothing more, nothing less. And I remember going to that conference and hearing this emphasis, not just on, on what what I was used to doing in, in my spiritual life in the church, but also this understanding of relationship and working with people and, and how important these things are. In fact, one of my favorite stories about my father comes from this leadership conference. I, I don't know that I've ever shared this publicly. Uh, we were at the leadership conference, and uh, John Maxwell invited people to come back early from lunch who wanted to learn how to pray through the Word. <laughs> and so we ate this big lunch, and we came back afterwards, and, and uh, John Maxwell came up there and, and sat on that stool, and he wanted everybody to close their eyes. <laughs> Did I mention this was right after lunch? <laughs> and uh, his praying for the word was maybe a little bit different than typically it would have been uh, maybe with one of us. And, and I remember I was sitting there, my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, I, I heard my dad start to snore beside me, and so I just elbowed him a little bit, you know. And it wasn't one of those light, you know, soft, you know, snores. It was one of those, you know, uh, sinus infection, clear your throat type snore type thing. And uh, one of those great memories that, that we had had. But he had sort of, when I left that day, I had this personal growth program and this hunger, this desire to work on this aspect of, of my life. And as I began to look through my journey, it was this awareness to, to grow in effectiveness and, and working with people and projects. And, uh, and so I started studying leadership in sort of an informal way throughout those years, uh, reading all the popular press books maybe that I could, maybe that we've read together at different times, and trying to, to grow and prepare for the future, to be ready, always sort of aware, uh, aware and, and maybe uh, this is common to leadership. It seemed like the, the leadership challenges in my life were always beyond me. I felt like there's always this gap. And so trying to, to bridge that gap, to fill that gap, and, uh, and to begin to study. And to learn, you know, those, those great things that we learn about leadership. Those tools and techniques uh, to open it up, even, even in the church world. You know, start learning about assessment and how to assess organizations or departments or ministries or our businesses. You know, how to to do a SWOT or environmental scan, how to do strategic planning, all those cool little uh, tips that we might use, and, and what are values and mission and vision, and how do we execute things, and all of these areas that I thought would help me and did help me have helped me tremendously throughout the years in, in leading and knowing the difference between goals and objectives and uh, all of those things that we talk about in leadership. 
And I appreciate and value that throughout the years. I'm sort of a, uh, maybe a geek on those things. I always love to hear uh, how people are managing and leading and making progress, the tools that they're using. I, I, I just absorb those. I steal them from wherever. I, I, I see neat ideas and, and uh, neat applications, execution, and bring them apart. But over the last uh, while, I, I've been wrestling with this, this growing concern as somebody who has given myself to the study of leadership for a large portion of my life as I have been put into different leadership roles and felt like I needed to grow and improve. And uh, this, this concern that sometimes we are disconnecting our leadership or disconnecting our leading from being led by the Spirit. So I want to talk about spiritual leadership tonight. Uh, we often talk about leadership, and, and I'm all for the practical tools that we're going to talk about. In fact, you're going to want to be here in the morning. First thing, uh, Brother Dennis is going to do some exercise, some great things. You're going to want to be able to be a part. But there is this danger in our leadership, and those of us who are in organizations, whether it's the church, the local church, and a ministry there, or pastoral ministry, or you're in business, you're a Christian businessman. There is this danger that when we get involved in going after objectives and, and grand visions of the future, we see problems to solve that we're trying to address. There can be this danger that we get so focused on those sort of techniques and tools and working that, that we disconnect it from our relationship with God and our following His Spirit. Um, when I look at the Scriptures, um, Israel was brought out of Egypt, of course, by the mighty hand of the Lord. And uh, we see that demonstrated through the, the, the various plagues and, and uh, brings them out and establishes an order. They have this sort of prophet leader by the name of Moses. They have a priest, a high priest, Aaron. They have this military commander, Joshua. They have the tribes, the 12 tribes, the sons of Israel. And, and they have rulers over hundreds and thousands and fifties and tens. And you see God take a, a family of 70 that comes out a couple of million people and begin to organize and structure them into a nation. Structure is a great thing. Organizations that God is a God of order and structure and organization. And you see that established in, in Israel. But yet... Israel, who comes into the promised land, and the walls come down, and they possess the land. They see, they see the fulfillment of the vision that Moses cast to them when he tells them about a land that's flowing with milk and honey. They, they realize the accomplishment of that vision, whatever leader wants, right? You want to celebrate the accomplishment of a vision, something you set out to do. And yet, as they grow and they expand and they reach sort of the summit under David, how does it happen that such a great nation disintegrates, disintegrates to where, and, and are spread in exile throughout the world, uh, not this time not by going into Egypt, but, but this time Babylon, and that even today, even today that there are more Jews in New York than there are in the land of Israel, and spread throughout the world. World War II uh, is a demonstration, whether it is Europe, uh, and around the world, Jews that have been scattered. How does that happen? How does that that, that climb to this great accomplishment of the vision, but yet this disintegration. Uh, we, when we talk about worldliness, a lot of times we talk about it in a lot of context. But I, I would dare to say that it was worldliness that brought this down. The Bible lets us know, Samuel would record, that Israel desired and they looked to all of the other nations and there was this desire to be like all of the other nations of the world. They're clamoring for a leader and to be led 
like the other nations. It's sort of this, what I would call this worldliness. Uh, and so God gives them a leader after their own heart. Saul, he's this leader after their own heart. Handsome, impressive, stature, and yet his insecurities, his vanity. When they got something after their own heart, the results were disastrous until eventually there would be a David, a man after God's own heart, and they would hit the summit of their history. You see, when I look back, there was this disconnect with Israel that, that somehow they could disconnect their, their national history and, and the battles that they would fight and, and the, the, the matters of state that was in their country. They could disconnect that from their God. And there is this, this leaning toward, you know, uh, this, this dividing. What we still wrestle today with somehow the division of sacred and secular, this idea that we can compartmentalize these parts of our life. And Israel uh, begins to think somehow that they can go through all of these matters without God. And, and they already had a king. The scripture was very clear. Yahweh was their king. They were not supposed to have a king like the other nations. There was one that was supposed to lead them, direct them through priests and prophets. And yet they wanted to be like the nations of the world. And in doing so, the Lord told them what would happen when you start leading and going after that way. It won't be long till things are going to begin to crumble. And how fast they did. Just, just by the time we get to Rehoboam, the nation is divided, right? And we see that take place. And I think about that with our natural leadership. And, and, and I wanted to talk about tonight, just to open up the conference, that, that holding a leadership position in a Christian organization does not make you a spiritual leader whether it's in a church, and there is a danger. In fact, um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see this at, at one time. I see it more just, I guess, with experience. There is a danger in us as Christians, just like in any other field, that we open ourselves to secular ideology and we can accept their teachings uh, uncritically, without critical thinking, the, the popular press of our world and the anecdotal information. And if we're not careful, we, we don't realize that we're not only embracing maybe some, some good techniques, some good tools, but, but we're also embracing underlying, underlying worldviews. We live in a day of social media where everybody wants to be an influencer. And yet I talk about an apostolic life. The question is, is who is influencing the influencer? They are not out there on an island. There is somebody that's influencing them. And when we open ourselves up, there are maybe a lot of good, but there is this danger. And as Christians who want to be spiritual leaders, we have to be sort of that ambidextrous that, that we recognize all the, the tools of best operations and, and best practices. And, and we want to be wise and we want to incorporate incorporate them. At the same time, we want to make sure that we are being led by his spirit and his presence in our life, that we don't disconnect him. And all of a sudden, our leadership is just something we are doing naturally, that it's just about brainstorming sessions. And it's just about, you know, stick it notes and SWOT analysis and, and pestle. And, and it's things that we're doing without us seeking to follow the spirit, follow the spirit. Spiritual leaders don't just use secular methods, and, uh, or, or I guess that we have to be realize that just because somebody might use secular methods and get worldly results, they may not 
be fulfilling their call as a spiritual leader, even if they're being considered successful by worldly terms. Um, in 1997, oh, Venice and Nanis wrote a book, Leaders' Strategies for Taking Charge, and they found 850 published definitions of leadership. <laughs> There's a lot of definitions out there, and leadership really as a... a uh, a field of study. There's always been leaders uh, since, you know, there's two people. But, but as far as a field of study, like psychology and other social sciences, relatively new in, in the span of time. And uh, others would talk about what it means to, leader, to lead. And some would talk about influence. You know, we see even on the timeline, timeline of, of leadership uh, as Maxwell in the 80s and, and, and influence was a big focus in that decade. Uh, as, as we sort of have, have grown in leadership theory and, and this influence and this making an impact. And yet there's even those that warn about just considering it influence because sometimes we can confuse the means with the ends. But leadership is actually about moving from someplace to somewhere else, right? It's about going from A to B, what, what would we like to talk about. It's about making a difference. Leadership is about being effective, Making a difference in where we live and where we work, where we study, where we worship. It is about making a difference. And if we're going to be a spiritual leader, we have to, we have to use that influence. We have to use uh, those abilities to move according to God's will, not just something that we develop in a brainstorming session. Um, and, and can I say this? Spiritual leaders are people who seek God's will Regardless of where they work, we need spiritual leaders in the marketplace as much as we need them in the church. So when I talk about spiritual leadership, I'm not talking about this is something I do at church and, and in that dualism of sacred and secular. No, I'm saying that wherever we lead, whether it's at the school system, whether it is uh, in business and Main Street, whether it is in our local church, we need spiritual leaders that, first of all, are following the leading of the Spirit as they serve others in their organization. I, I think back to somebody who had an impact on my life, uh, such a, a major impact, Brother, Brother Kilgore. And uh, uh, Brother Gurley might even uh, know this story uh, much better, but Years ago, I heard Brother Kilgore reference how a businessman had approached him and asked him to pray about a decision he needed to make in his business. And Brother Kilgore was not trained in the technical business that, that he represented, but, but Brother Kilgore is a spiritual man. And as Brother Kilgore prayed and, and gave what he felt like from the Lord to, to this, uh, this individual, uh, that direction... And that businessman felt that confirmation and reaped the rewards of it. And, and what you had in that particular situation, it was somebody who was in business but understood that in my business and everything I do, I want to make sure God's voice is a part of it. And God can direct my business because as I am successful in business in our world, it's going to make a difference not only for me, not only for my family, but for the kingdom of God. Robert Clinton, The Making of a Leader, said the central task of leadership is influencing God's people towards God's purposes. Leadership is about moving people onto God's agenda. And so while we do have so many wonderful tools that we can use, 
The important thing is, is that we don't skip our relationship with God and prayer and seeking God and those parts of our life that we are able to bring those together because we need spiritual people that are doing a SWOT analysis. We need spiritual people that are coming up with objectives and problem solving. We need spiritual people who are looking at their ministries. We need spiritual people who are praying about their business. My brother is... Uh, my brother is in business, and it, you know, there's times where he's doing his Bible reading and his prayer, you know, in his shop before he opens the door and goes to business. Why? Because no matter where you're at, you're always a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and God can come in and give us direction and wisdom in everything we do. And so we must make sure that that is a part of a servant leadership, is influencing others through serving. And if we're going to be a, a great servant leader, uh, we need to be willing to serve as he leads us. That's where the power is. That's what I want to be. I want to be somebody who can serve and lead as I'm following him, that God is giving direction. You see, the church is not mine. Church is God's, right? Your ministry, wherever you're involved in, if you're a businessman, you're, you're still involved in your local church because God didn't give you the gifts just to use it to make money. He, used, he gave it for the kingdom of God as well. And so as we're serving wherever we're at and we're using it as unto the Lord, God wants us to follow him and for him to give us direction in our, our lives. In fact, statesmen, I, I heard somebody define statesmen as leaders who uphold what is right regardless of the effect on their popularity. I think Blackaby is talking about this, and he's talking about that if we're going to be a true leader, a spiritual leader, we don't lead the way that many times we're seeing in the natural way of our world. Realize that what's happening in our world of leadership is everybody's trying to solve the problems. But one of the reasons why we continue to have the mess is because you can't solve all these problems in, in politic, political leadership. And you can't solve all these problems in economic leadership on the Wall Street. You can't solve, and everything is a reflection of their worldview, their values of how to solve these problems, and they're not doing it. Because the only way you can solve those problems is to bring God and the Word of God and biblical principles into the mix and bring them together. Bring them together. So spiritual leaders must be directed by the Holy Spirit and not by their own personal agendas, what they desire. I'm going to close with giving you six characteristics of spiritual leadership, and this is from, from Blackaby. said, so number one, the spiritual leader's task is to move people, to move people. That's the purpose of leadership, to make an impact. And moving implies destination. It's, it's a journey. Again, from one place to another. This is being effective, making a difference, making, making a change. And if God has called us to lead, it's not for us to stay where we're at. That's because the, there, there has to be a vision accomplished. There's a mission, there's a mission to fulfill. There's a why. Second, spiritual leaders use spiritual means. We can't change people. We can't bring a spiritual change into people's lives. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Yet God often uses people to bring about spiritual growth in others. When, when, uh, when the Lord spoke to Moses, he was uh, sending him to Pharaoh to, to lead what Israel out of Egypt 
to the place that he had for him. This was not Moses coming up with a plan. This is not Moses coming up with a strategy. It was Moses executing what the Lord had planned, the design that the Lord had. And Moses was a part of seeing that accomplished and fulfilled. And so as that vision began to unfold, as he began to see it and had to navigate through all the challenges along the journey, but yet this was something that was, first of all, in the heart of the Lord. Third, spiritual leaders are accountable to God. We have to answer for our leadership. No matter where we're at, our influence, the difference we make, we have to answer to the Lord because there's more at stake than just the project you're working on. There's more at stake just than the current strategic plan. There, there's more than, at stake than, than the current vision, the current mission, the current objective that you're reaching. There's something bigger at stake, and we have to be accountable for it. It was the Lord also who would correct Moses. Moses is, is doing what he's supposed to do to lead Israel from Egypt to the promised land. But on that journey, there comes a time when he is supposed to speak to the rock, but yet he, he doesn't follow that path in, in how he executes the, the plan, and he smites it again. And, and the Bible lets us know that God calls him an account. Because it's not just because you're on the journey. you got to be on the journey and you have to operate and lead in a way that's pleasing to me and acceptable to me. We can't just lead by any way that we desire to. We have to make sure we lead in a way that brings glory to God. That honors Him. And so in a world where, where manipulation and other types of, of, of influence are out there as people of, of God, Christians, whether we are leading in a ministry in the church or we're leading somewhere in business, we have to make sure that we do not pick up those tools or use those levers when it comes to working with people. We have to make sure that the way we lead is a way that can please and honor God. Spiritual leaders focus on people. It's always about God's people. It's not just about the things. Spiritual leaders influence all people, not just God's people. See, this is the beautiful thing, is that God puts leaders to make a difference. And it's not just in the church, it's to the world as well. Um, we see this in the life of Joseph, where God had a plan for for, uh, for Israel, and he had a plan to spare Egypt and in, in the entire area, but God has to bring in someone who he has a relationship and place him in Pharaoh's court to be a part of moving them in a the right direction with a strategic plan that's going to make a difference and save many, many lives. But it wasn't Joseph in, in, in of course, this is pre-tabernacle. It wasn't Joseph just in a spiritual sense. It was Joseph as a leader who had a, a vision from God, who had a word from God operating in the halls of the palace at that particular time. But still, a leader after the Lord. We have to realize that we are to be engaged everywhere. There is no separation of sacred and sacred. It all matters to God. William Wilberforce was such a major influence in his day, and many in, in British Parliament <coughs> despised uh, his openly evangelical convictions. They despise it. In fact, uh, Lord Melbourne said, things have come uh, pretty far when one would permit one's religion to invade public life. And yet, Wilberforce's biographer concluded no politician has ever used his faith to a greater result for all humanity. 
Why was this about? This was about somebody who says, no, my role is not to disconnect my faith and my walk with God from, from my leadership. But for such a time as this, I am in this place. I've got to serve my generation well, and I've got to do it in a way that honors God and impacts people. And so do it unto the Lord. Spiritual leaders work from God's agenda. One of the greatest obstacles is when we pursue our own agenda rather than God's agenda. Ambition is a great thing. It's very important for leaders. Selfish ambition that Paul would talk about to the Philippians is a dangerous thing. And so even part of our spiritual walk is to be able to go to God and in our prayer and in our devotion to make sure that what's leading us is not selfish ambition, but it's ambition for the things of God. And many times we can't discern that just in our own mind. We can only discern that with prayer, with God searching us and revealing our heart and our motives to us. And so spiritual leaders seek God's will, whether it's for their church, their family, their ministry, their occupation. They want to make sure that whatever they do, they are doing it as unto the Lord. John Adams uh, from the American Revolutionary Era, he, here's what he says, we have not men fit for the times, fit for the times. That quote has uh, stuck with me. Thomas Paine said in December 23rd, 1776, there are times that try men's soul. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Yet we have this consolation with us that the hardier the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What these men knew that the times demand people who are fit, who have the strength, men and women, to lead in those particular times, in those challenges. Fit to lead. Where there are no challenges or no obstacles to overcome, leadership's really not needed that much. <laughs> we can manage our way through those things, and we can just con continue to work on being as efficient as we can. But when problems come, leaders must stand up and figure out how are we going to make it through, around, over what are we going to do with the challenges that are ahead of us. And if we're doing that just in our own abilities and we don't have a component of our life that is leaning on him, not our own understanding, depending on him, acknowledging him in all of our ways, our leadership will never be as effective as it could. And if we're not careful, our leadership will become more about our ambition than the kingdom of God. So history, when we look back at difficult times, that's where really where leaders are, are made, right? When you begin to look at, at the famous leaders that have gone by, the greatest presidents in, in scholars' rankings are this, Washington, Lincoln, Franklin, Roosevelt. It, and it's amazing that when they start looking and talking about leaders and, and judging them, uh, it's, so much of it has to do with the day that they lived in and what they had, the challenges they had to stand up to and, and that they didn't crumble in those days and time. And so when we look at our world, and I know that, that we can spend all night talking about what is wrong with our world, but I believe that God has made sure that there are leaders that are fit for the time. And I think that in this room that God has placed a group of people together that if we will allow him to lead us, then, then we can 
serve the areas of our organization and our ministries and our businesses in a way where great things can happen for the glory of God. But in all of our learning and all of our doing and every tool that we pick up and every technique that we pick up and every uh, hack, execution hack that we pick up, we have to make sure that both our motive and our method is pleasing to God. That it both comes together. Would you stand with me tonight? Even current leadership theory suggests that good leaders are also good followers. Such emphasis that's on followership in our current time. That should just really fit with us in the church. Because no matter who you are, what you're tasked with leading, you're first called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. To be a follower of him. And allow him to lead us. And that we should pray, your kingdom come. Because when it's all said and done, whether you lead in the church, whether you lead some business in our world, this is all about the kingdom of God. This is what matters. First message, Jesus ever preached. When he walks out of the wilderness, full of the power of the Holy Ghost, he began to speak to them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When when they asked him to teach him to pray, he would say, when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He would instruct them, seek first the kingdom of God. And how many times would he, in his ministry, this was his message, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. Not only was it his first message, not only was it this when he was asked to teach them how to pray, not only did he tell them to seek first the kingdom of God, the last message he would ever have, Acts would say that, that he continued with them, speaking of them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. His rule, his domain, the king's domain, the king's rule. Wherever we're at, our job is to be able to be a part of what God is doing. And whether you're in the church, you're pastoring a church, you're involved in uh, ministry in a church, doing it unto the Lord, seeking God, asking God for direction, that in the exercises we do when the team comes together and we're dealing with problems, believing that God can bring us together and God can give us wisdom and direction in those meetings, or whether you're pulling up outside of the business that you operate on the downtown square and you're taking your financials and you're taking your current leadership challenges to the Lord and believing that the Lord can work with your team also there, wherever we're at, we're to seek his kingdom, to be led by him where we can serve others and make a difference. Amen. Would you just... Uh, Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Let's ask the Lord just to speak something into our heart that we can take away with us tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have entrusted us, Lord, with the opportunity to be leaders and to, to have influence. Lord, the people that are in this room, wherever we are making an impact, wherever we are moving along, God, we want to make sure we are in tune with your spirit. We want to make sure with all of our learning and all of the, the techniques that we have and the, the strategies and that we have, that, God, we are always seeking first your kingdom, 
seeking your will. Lord, that our ambition are for the things of the kingdom of God. And Lord, that we don't allow selfish ambition and things of our flesh to rise up. Lord, that we walk in the spirit that we lead by following your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you.